Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We've done it. 15 games, one more month, and we are free. We are working towards it. There is light at the end of the tunnel for so long. It was like one mile behind us, 10,000 in front of us. We can finally see the finish line. It's coming. So let's get into it. Uh, let's lead it off with the intros. Start it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hankel. I'm so frazzled. I'm the worst. Per- I I never forget about the podcast, and I forgot about the podcast <laughs> until 9.58 this morning, and I was like, oh, fuck, we're recording, like, right now. I got, like, a pot of coffee on. I'm so frazzled. I don't have my thoughts about me. I'm glad the Flyers are out of the playoffs, because even though we knew it was happening, like, the finality of it, like, the Micah tweet happening, it's just like, all right, now we're, we're yeah, just like- done. In my head, they've been out of the playoffs since before Christmas. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> now that it's official, it just feels good to know. It's like, it's like a, a nice little finality. And they can't, nice. like, they can't, like, dilute themselves in the thinking, oh, well, if we just go on a little run, like, no, get no, over it, stop. And I don't think that that's what they thought, but just, like, you know. You never know. They're very <laughs> stupid. Very stupid. <laughs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of nice that we're, you know, only a month away from the end of this, this season. Um, full disclosure, I'm pretty sure I have a sinus infection, so if my voice comes off a little odd today, that's why. Um, pretty exhausted from the last few weeks of working, but uh, and just got back from a nine-day road trip. But, uh, but yeah, this has been a bummer of a season, and at this point, you know, it's, I guess it's good that they're making decisions line decisions roster decisions that are more focused towards the future because the present is just it's just a bummer um you know obviously this is not a team that's going to win many games the rest of the way which we discussed like there was a there was a like brief 24-hour period where some people were like hey maybe the post clutch career is going to be great and then it's like well actually when you trade away your best player you get worse it's amazing there was like, Charlie, you'll remember this. In 2006, when the Phillies traded Abreu, and the GM comes out and says, yeah, we're not going to compete this year, and I wouldn't be so sure about next year either. And then like they almost make the playoffs yeah. at the end of 06. Of yeah. course, they win the division in 07. There was like a little, little spot of me that was like, I don't want to compare Giroux and Abreu, because like, I think Abreu's like the ultimate loser. Uh, but... Like, a statistically awesome player leaving, and then suddenly a bunch of other guys stepping up. But it turns out, you know, we don't have Chase Utley or Jimmy Rollins. It turns out, like, those things don't exist here. So, like, it's good. We actually see what this team is, and it's uh, continuing to be fucking horrible without, like, the couple of NHL-caliber players that they did have in the lineup. So, here we are. Um, I'm no financial expert. Like, ask my friend Nick, who <laughs> just put together a budget for me and Ava. Um, yeah, $500 a month on beer and cigarettes. Like, that's not what you should spend, uh, you know, apparently. Says who, though? (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like, given the NHL has collected, like, over a billion dollars in just expansion fees in about the last five years, the cap staying stagnant because of the pandemic and then going up finally a measly $1 million is, uh, fucking ridiculous. Sure is. Like, just overall, I think the cap is dumb as shit, but this stagnation's... Uh, come on. You signed a TV yeah. deal with ES-fucking-PN, who's owned by, uh, Disney? Like, this is all... And you also have a deal with Turner? Like, come on now. The the Vegas fee was 500 The fucking Seattle fee was, like, 650 You have money. You have money to spend. 
you're hoarding it to keep player salaries down. We know this. I, but I just want to eh, say, I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I, I, I he's mean, right. Look, like I don't think that they are like the owners. Obviously, have more money because they're owners. I mean, they're rich already. I just, I, I think you might be underrating just how much organizations lost due to not having fans in the stands for like two years. Oh, I here's the thing. Especially recognize. because the like the players, the whole the whole reason why this is like a catch up process is because they're the players basically still got paid more or less what they were supposed to, but now they have to essentially give it back. Like, I, look, I'm not, I'm not crying poor for the owners here because, like, they have the money. They just have to mm-hmm. tap into their, like, you know, gigantic pockets and maybe fund it a little bit themselves, which I'd be totally fine with because, again, they have the money. But I do think from a, like, hockey-related revenue, I do think took a, an enormous hit, and I don't think these guys are, like, secretly making you know money on their teams right now maybe now but certainly not last year and the year before they're not like secretly making money hand over fist they they lost a lot of money because of all this and i don't think this is because i mean if 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 they were hiding 500 million dollars somewhere like like people would get arrested like that's not something you can do would they do you do you really yeah first of all would they no yeah second of all like does the the nhl Bring in $650 million in a season, like, under normal circumstances. It feels like the way that they operate, they don't. I mean, I, I, they, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but considering how, like, much, considering how much some of these franchises are worth, yeah, I would suspect so. Independently of any operating cost, they got $650 million in one year. So, I mean, it, did they lose money? Sure. But like it is the only gate dependent sport left. Like and, and they don't make and the, that's your they don't make the TV fault. money like like bas- like basketball, well, football, I mean, and baseball. It was the pandemic's exactly. fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. The gate thing. The fact that they make most of their money on gate is the commissioner's okay, fault. Fair. If that's you look at, I've read an article. I think it was five thirty eight that did like a, a the growth over Bettman's time as commissioner for the nhl versus the other four sports and obviously the other four sports are always going to be more popular than hockey like that's a given but the growth that the nhl has experienced under bettman has been minuscule at best and if he was better at his job maybe they wouldn't have to depend on gate so much and the fact of the matter is like for some reason we have just decided that like rich people who own things don't have to ever take a hit like they they have to they have to always be made whole so since we took a loss in our business in one year because the entire fucking world fell apart, uh, well, we can't, like, that can't be. We and don't forget, that. not a loss. They just didn't right. make as much. Right. They're and not they, losing money. No one's taking it from them. No. It's just, it's just so plainly obvious <clears throat> that the only reason they do any of this is to artificially keep player salaries down so they don't have to spend a lot of money on their investment and it's just gross like the game could be so much better if they just spent some money and teams could be so much more fun if we didn't have this stupid salary cap and if a team like the arizona coyotes or the ottawa senators don't want to spend any money well then their teams can suck and they can deal with the consequences of having a shitty hockey team if a team Which like the they Philadelphia- already do. Right. And if the team like the Philadelphia Flyers or the New York Rangers or whatever, if their ownership wants to invest a shit ton of money in putting a good product on the ice, like why why is that bad? It makes no like, sense to me. It's just terrible think, for the sport. I think it's especially asinine when you look at a team like Tampa who's got all this homegrown talent that like they have to manipulate the cap to keep because like they fucking these are their guys. They drafted and developed right, and they these can't keep guys. Them. Yeah. Like, like, there's no amount of manipulation they can things. do. Right. Like, they like, were, one year they were able to, like, figure it out and get their guy into the playoffs. But, like, going forward, every good team has to be blown up in, like, three years. It's bullshit. So I just, I just want to point out that if you're one of these people who believes the salary cap allows small, small market teams to compete, maybe take a look at the success of the original Jets slash now Coyotes pre and post cap. Um, they used to make the playoffs all the time. They've now made the playoffs like four times in 17 years. Just, just a thought. Um, maybe tell me how many cups the New Jersey Devils have won since the cap was instituted, because they won a shit ton before there was a salary cap. Perhaps tell me how small markets like Chicago and LA have won five cups. You know, there's little minuscule markets 
no real money there. Uh, while places like Denver and Detroit haven't come close to matching their pre-cap success, like not even a little close. Uh, anyway, the whole thing's a fucking sham. I'm just, uh, the salary cap comes out. People are like, oh, they should have instituted a playoff salary cap. I'm like, no, what they should have done is off. blown it all up because yes. it's pointless. The only yeah. point to it is keeping salaries down. There's no other reason for it. It's just, oh, yeah, like, uh, we, the only team it's actually hurting is small market Tampa. That's the only team being hurt by the salary cap right now. The whole Flyers are. Well, the Flyers are because they're run like fucking can't. idiots. Right. They but the Flyers had the same. The Flyers <laughs> had the exact same problems, not being able to develop their own talent in 1990. Fucking eight. Like, <laughs> you know what I think this is? Honestly, I think that like the past couple weeks, we have very clearly been in the anger stage of the stages of grief about dealing with the Flyers. This mm. is this is the bargaining stage because now it's oh. like you know what would, the cap. you know what would make the Flyers better if there was no fucking salary cap. That's oh oh no, obviously oh, no. Charlie's right. Charlie, obviously, like looking at the Flyers situation and what they're gonna do because they can't draft and develop their own talent. If we had a hundred million dollars to spend, we'd be in a lot better situation. <laughs> 82 and a half doesn't come close to enough for what this team needs. Sometimes you just have to point out what you're saying. That is exactly what I was saying I, in the last five minutes. I, I'm I, complaining. I, I'm I'm trying to help out the coyotes here, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, you have absolutely no ulterior motive. Uh, so Charlie, in his little uh, you know, preamble, talked about um the team making moves for the future because the present is dog shit. Um it is. I just want to know, with 15 games left, with Risto skating into his goalie every other night, with Sanheim twice pushing a forward into, into Martin Jones against Minnesota on Tuesday, with Nick Sealer, a lineup regular, why not shut down Carter Hart? He's dealing with something. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's they're just trying to give him a night off, and he's not actually hurt a little bit. But, like, if this motherfucker tears his groin in these last 15 games, the whole offseason, the whole aggressive retool, everything they're thinking about doing, it's pointless. Maybe, do the maybe, right hey, thing. If that happened, maybe they wouldn't do the aggressive retool. So, actually, Bill, maybe you're, maybe you're hoping for Galaxy Carter Hart brain. to get really hurt. Yeah, and then maybe he becomes Ron Hextall and never reaches his potential because he fucking tears his groin every yeah. three weeks. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. Like, yeah, it would be. So, like, what's the point? What's the upside of playing Carter Hart, let's say, 10 of these last 15 games? What's the point of it? So the only thing I can figure, well, first of all, it, 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 they're just not going to, like, because they wouldn't ever. Yeah. And, like, they're he not wouldn't want them down. to. Yeah. And, like, the only thing I can think, so I'm, Charlie, in this situation, like, let's say they say Carter Hart's hurt. Would their goalie call up from the AHL be able to be like permanently an emergency, or would they have to burn the last? No, it would be permanently an emergency because they, oh, okay. they because so they'd, they'd always yeah they'd always be at one goalie, so it would have gotcha. to be an emergency call up because they have no other goalie. So yeah, I mean that would work. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean like look, this is one of those things where, um, I mean the 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 actual justification, like if you if you asked somebody with the flyers why they would not shut carter hart down the actual justification would be the player wants to play and shutting him down is not worth the potential damage that we would do to the relationship by telling him that he can't play because we do have we we see him as part of our future we don't want to piss him off we have you know future contract negotiations you know down the road and we don't want this looming over. That's what they would tell you. The real like truth. The, 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 the real truth of the matter is, in the end, is that like this just like no one does this. Like this right. is just this is just hockey. Like no, th you're not going to in hockey shut down a perfectly healthy player solely for the purpose of tanking. And I know it sounds like a great idea on like talk radio shows and on podcasts and stuff i get that and it might even be the smart thing if you're purely looking at it from a, like a stats and numbers standpoint it's just something that it doesn't happen in hockey it's not part of like the overall and i'm not even talking about like you know the flyers culture and all this shit like it's just something that's it's not done it's no no one does it and it's one of those things where if you did it you would get a ton of backlash, not just from the player who you did it to, but just from people around the league, like, you know, this isn't the right thing to do and all that shit. So 
people just don't do this. Like, it's just not something that happens. Like, maybe you do it for the last, like, one or two games. And the thing with Carter Hart, too, is, like, look, if Carter Hart is actually banged up, it wouldn't shock me if they shut him down. Like, it wouldn't shock me if, like, they right now they're saying this is a short-term thing. If they find out that it's, like, you know, a muscle pull or something that, like, hey, it's kind of hanging around, like, I can see them shutting him down. But I don't think they would ever shut him down with, like, a truly fake injury, even though it sounds very intelligent to do on radio shows. It's just something that you just doesn't happen in the NHL teams don't do it. First, because something isn't done is not a reason not to do something. I'm just saying. Smart. I'm, I'm like, like, that's it, 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 it could be. Yeah, like, I understand. It could be the best GM saying. in hockey. Like Steve Eisenman wouldn't do this. Either. I know what you're saying. Oh, it's not done. That's not a reason not to do something. Like if it's smart. Two, it's not for the purposes of tanking. They can lose every single fucking game with Carter Hart and Net. They're that bad. He's not that good. He's not that good. (laughs) And they're not that, like, like, and they're not, and they're that bad. Like, it's totally possible. It has nothing to do with tanking at this point. They can lose with him and Net. He can give up five goals and play well. I've seen it happen, like, 20 times this season. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply about preserving his health and ensuring that this team has its franchise goalie next season because next season, as we've been told, they're competing. They're going for it. Oh, they're going to try. This offseason, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, the, the thing is, and this is something else that would be said in response to, to what you're saying, Bill, is that, okay, and I know, I, I suspect you know what your response is going to be, but, like, this is exactly the kind of, the kind of back and forth you have. It's like, okay, well, if we're going to sit Carter Hart, like, we can't have it so, like, we just sit Carter Hart because then it's like, okay, well, you know, Carter is more important than Joel Farabee. Carter is more important than Cam Atkinson. Yes. And that's yes. not the kind of, number one, that's not the kind of thing they'd want to, they'd want to, you know, present to the locker room because it fucks with people's heads and people, there's resentment that will come from that. You know, somebody's getting special treatment. Their season can end because they, they seemingly are more important, but we're all about the team. No one is more important on a team. Now, I just make Bill's response to be, yeah, literally bench everybody. But that's, again, not something an NHL team's going to do, so. Well, they can't bench everybody because there's only so many call-ups. I'm not going to say that. No, they My could. Response... I mean, in theory, they yeah. could because they could just call up everybody on emergency. My response is, too fucking bad, you lose every night. If you wanted everything to be going well and everyone to be treated right and equally, you know, you know where that happens? Teams that win. Teams that don't have 21 wins. Teams that aren't vying for the top pick in the fucking draft. Places where things are functional and everyone's happy, those are called winning teams. You're a bunch of fucking losers. Go out and lose like you're supposed to, and then in 15 games we can regroup. The yeah. end. I mean, sorry, I, I don't know if like taking a someone could put it nicer than me and adding even more dysfunction to know. it is the best play. But hey, I mean, whatever. So wait, burn it all down. Since we're losing Charlie early, and someone said the word call up, I would like to know. Charles, in your opinion, yes. Why Wade Allison is still on the Phantoms? It's a real good question. <laughs> Not really sure. Um, I don't. I don't like uh, it. I mean, if I had like, to, if I had to guess, and this is purely a guess because I have not talked to anyone about this, I wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with the lack of an obvious spot because Wade Allison's a right wing, and they've got a bunch of right wings already up. I mean, they got Tippett, they got Konechny, they got Atkinson. And it might be this idea mm. of like, well, as long as we're getting this real long look at Owen Tippett, we want him to play the right side, and Wade Allison isn't a fourth line wing, so we're not going to call him up yet. Plus, I mm. do think, and, and this is again just a hunch, I do think there is maybe a little bit of like extra cautiousness driven by fatalism that is part of this, in that the Flyers are having a season where... If anyone could possibly get injured, they get injured. <laughs> and there might be a feeling of like, you know what? If we call up Wade Allison, you know he's going to get hurt the first game because that's just the season we're having. So like, why push it? Like, I legitimately think that's the reason because a lot of people have been screaming like, why haven't they called up Igor Zimbola? And the answer every time I that talk I don't to, care about every time I talk to people in the organization, the answer I, I hear is that he's not strong enough. We know we can play in the NHL for one game, but if we play him there for two weeks, we think he's going to go in the corner and somebody's going to break his shoulder. And I do think a lot of that, I mean, part of that is just because they know how strong he is at this point. They know he needs to bulk up. But part of that, too, is like, there's just an element of like, if we call him up, you fucking know he's going to be Because it's, of course he's going to get hurt because it's us. I get that, but it's just frustrating just, because 
Allison, I think, is clearly an NHL hockey player. And since he came back, I had to look yesterday for a thing. He's been like lighting it up. Well, he with the Phantoms. Down like, he's been a playing bit. pretty well. He, got, he did. He got, he got off to a he was on a streak. Start, yeah, and, and then yeah. The last couple um, but no, of games. I mean, look, look, maybe he found out hard work doesn't pay off in this organization because fucking Patrick Brown has to be in the lineup every night. Well, granted, I mean, Wade Allison doesn't he's, play center. so I was going to say he's a center. Neither does Joel Farabee. Well, yeah, but that's, <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I, I like the Joel Farabee. Oh, I think it's a great idea. He's their one chance at like a homegrown, potentially plus player. Put as much on him as possible and see what sticks. I don't know if he's a permanent center, but just give him is. all the responsibility yeah, in the world. What the hell? Yeah, why not? Who gives a shit? I mean, if, if by some miracle it works and he's real yeah. good there, then like, You hey, solved maybe, the problem. Yeah, like, hey, maybe you don't need to go out and get another center this summer. You really solved it? No, it's, because, I, like, put it, as much. Well, here's a transition. You won't need to go out and get another center this summer because sure doesn't look like Morgan Frost is that guy. Oh, God. Uh, I want to talk Frost. about some call-ups and stuff. Uh, but Charlie only has a few minutes, so I want to, you know what, fuck it. Let's get into Morgan Frost. Um, right now, Morgan Frost has three goals and seven assists in 40 games at the NHL level. Now, granted, there's been injuries. He's been sent down. Um, however, that's horrible. It's not, like, it's not great. Is Morgan Frost having a worse season than Nolan Patrick's t- uh, last year? And, like, maybe not worse, but is it basically the same? And to refresh everyone's memory, Patrick last year, four goals, five assists, and 52 games. Uh, two goals and four assists, Steven Strength. Two goals and one assist on the power play. He had 49 shots on goal, 690 total minutes, uh, 90 minutes and 56 seconds on the power play. Morgan Frost has had 69 minutes on the power play, 40 nice. sh- 46 shots on goal, 541 total TOI. So can I just real quick do a devil's advocate before Charlie gets to talk about this? Like, Sure. So, okay, Nolan Patrick was always put in a position to succeed while yes, he was with yeah. the team. Always, always, always. Morgan Frost, up until very recently, hasn't always been placed with good line mates and skilled players or given, you know, long looks on the power play. I feel like in the last few games... Since he has been given those things, he has looked, I think, markedly better. And perhaps there's something to the idea that if you want to develop a player into a good player, you have to play him with good players because you're never going to develop into a good player playing with, you know, Zach McEwen. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, Sean like, Victoria perhaps... played with Matt Reed and Zach Ronaldo, it turned out. And it held him back for so long. <laughs> Char- All right, go ahead, Charm. Um, yeah, I mean, look. The, my answer to Bill's original question, which was, who's is had the worse, worst year? Probably. I, I, I think that pa- Patrick's year is still significantly worse. And it's because yeah. of what Kelly said, which is, I, I think Patrick pretty much all last season was put in positions to succeed because they were extremely, extremely invested in the idea of like that pick not being a bust. And he was still awful. I mean, I think he had like one point on the power play like the entire year pretty much, and he was never yes. got on the power play. Like it was, it was legitimately... Like, I don't even know the word. Disgusting, dismaying, like, horrifying at how poor. He spent 91 minutes total on the ice during a power play. He scored two goals and one assist. Yeah, It like, was truly, yeah. truly the worst season from an offensive production standpoint anyone's maybe ever had. Patrick was terrific. And I don't yeah. think Frost has been that bad. I think Frost had long stretches where he hasn't been used in a way that would be conducive to scoring much of anything. So, on the whole, Patrick's season is worse. That said, and this is kind of my big concern about Frost, is that, like, as Ke- Kelly basically was like, well, since he's been used with, you know, in, in a role that's more, you know, like, seemingly a better fit for a scorer, um, better wingers, whatnot, he's been better. And I agree, he's been better. Better. But he still hasn't been good. Like, he hasn't yeah. been anywhere near good enough to be viewed even as an NHL 3C, in my mind. Like, that goal he scored on the power play the other night was his first since December 30th. Yeah, like, this, like... That's fucking impossible. He had as many goals all year as Zach McEwen. Like, you can kind of see why, like, I think he should be used in scoring roles. And I think that the way they used him in, like, like January and February wasn't good. That said, you're seeing what he's doing in a scoring role... And you're maybe getting an idea of why they didn't put him in the scoring role because he wasn't playing well enough where he could do anything with it. 
And I think that's like, yeah, I'm like the question's obviously got to be asked at this point. Like, is Morgan Frost going to be able to become an NHL player? Because he has to be a top nine forward. Like, is it, you're not gonna you're not gonna Scott Lawton the guy. Like, you're not gonna have him remake his game at this point to become a fucking fourth liner. Like, if he's gonna be an NHLer, he's got to be at least three C caliber. And to up to this point, excuse me, sorry, up to this point, I don't believe that he's been close to three C caliber at least this year. So and, he has to, like, go. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. Like, if the Flyers were tanking, I would say ops, you keep him, 100%. Keep him and keep him in the top nine, and hopefully one day the, the light bulb clicks and he's good. That could happen. If you're trying to aggressively retool and be good next year, then no, you can't go into next season assuming Morgan Frost is your third-line center. Because he's never done it before at a third-line center level beyond, like, a few weeks here and there. So, like, really, I mean, if the Flyers are doing what I think they should do and just, like, punting, they should keep Morgan Frost. But it doesn't seem like they're going to do that, so I don't know what you're going to do with him. Maybe you have to just include him in a trade that you do this summer in this aggressive retool. Yep. I really, like, I just don't, I don't, and, like, Patrick was a second overall pick. He was supposed to be something. Morgan Frost was a guy that Ron Hextall saw something in and drafted and traded back into the first I round. I still to like get him. Morgan Frost. I still like the skill set, but like at some point it's got to click in the NHL and it has what to be. I just you, don't see it. You know how people argue all the time that like you, you rush a prospect, you ruin his development, blah, 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 blah. You can't play too soon. All that bullshit. Do you think there's something to like the counter that like if you're a guy like Morgan Frost? whose whole game is based on, like, highly skilled, creative offense. Is it possible that you hold a guy like that back development-wise by keeping him down too long or playing him too low in the lineup too long rather than, you know, throwing him into a top-six role and saying, see what what happens, and then maybe he figures it out over... But they don't... They have a, a very bad habit of not letting these young guys make mistakes. Like, as well, soon but, as they well, make a mistake, then, they're but, out of the lineup. But then they do, and then it doesn't work either. Like, that's what they did with Ivan Provorov, and now look at what we're talking about. Like, I, to me, I, I honestly, I hate these developmental discussions because there's dumb. absolutely no evidence beyond our own opinions. And, mm-hmm. I, and I hate those kind of discussions because I like evidence, and development is all about what you feel. It's, a very, it's very much a gut feel type of thing. And is it possible that the Flyers people just haven't had the right gut feel for these kids? Sure, it's possible. Um, I think with Morgan Frost, I think part of the problem with him and part of the disconnect between the fans and the organization is that, and I've articulated this on past shows, is that fans, he is skilled, but he's yeah. not skilled enough that he can, to just, get by on see, that he can just be a skill guy. Which mm. means that, and because of that, he has to develop the rest of his game, and the rest of his game hasn't really developed. And he, because of that, he doesn't have as many opportunities to use the skill, which is much harder to pull off in the NHL anyway. So, like, I understand why the Flyers are trying, have focused for the last couple of years on improving the defensive side of his game. It would be one thing if he was like Kaprizov. Then you could be like, who gives a shit whether you care about defense? You're just so fucking skilled, you can do whatever you want on the ice. But Morgan Frost isn't and has never been that skilled. He's a talented player. He's not a, like, superstar talented player. And because of that, you do have to develop the rest of his game, and he just hasn't been able to develop. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Charlie has to run to practice. Thanks for hanging out here, Charlie. Uh, And then on the other side, me and Kelly will be back to uh, wrap up this Morgan Frost discussion and do God knows what else. Uh, Hang out with us for a sec. All right, fam, we are back. It's the Bill and Kelly show. So, uh, Kelly, what would you think of <laughs> Bill and Ted 3? <laughs> I, I just want to keep, uh, I want to finish up with Morgan Frost real quick, because I do think yeah. there's something to what you said. Like Charlie said, none of us know. No one seems to know at development. Definitely not in this fucking organization. No one has any Certainly idea. Not. But, like, the idea that Morgan Frost's game was going to be about making skilled plays to beat NHL players. Having him do it against AHL competition for as long as he did, like, all right, now he has to relearn everything. Like, right. it, it, since there's that part is not going to translate because there's so much tighter checking in the NHL 
everyone's so much higher skilled. Like, we talk about Rasmus Ristolainen like he's a doof. He'd be a fucking superstar in the A8. Like, he'd be the best Maybe. player in that league. You know, yeah. like... <laughs> he might be. He, he would absolutely be incredible. He might be a legitimate second-pair defenseman in the AHL, I think. <laughs> like, a very good second-pair defenseman. <laughs> all right. But, like, I do think there's something, too. Like, all right, you were beaten up on JV forever, and at varsity, it's a different game. But watching Frost at this point, it's just kind of like, yeah. he ain't good enough. Yeah, it's it's hard... It's hard for me to continue to try to find excuses for why yeah. he's not good. I It's just because I wanted him to be good. Um, I'm looking and, for someone to blame, and the blame might just be on the draft pick. It could be, but I also do... I, I do think there is something to the idea that the Flyers don't know how to develop guys. And this might be an example of, like, not a total bust, but not as good as he could have been had things gone properly and again like charlie said none of us know like no one knows what's happening in development like it's such an like an amorphous thing but yeah. it's just another example of like nothing hitting for us like joel Farabee is like the only guy yeah and i feel like, like that his hit we all had high hopes for frost but i had a caller the other night i think you were in the uh in the post game with me kelly when he said, you know, up until the draft plus one season where he was good, like Morgan Frost's scoring pro profile matched that of Nick Cousins, who was a third round oh, pick, yeah. who was a third round pick and his career high is like 27 points. That guy always has facts when he, he calls does. Show. It's really like I really appreciate him, but like it's annoying. Knock what it are you off. Doing, what are you doing knowing stuff? It's 1030 p.m. on a Tuesday. Stop giving us facts. <laughs> Quit knowing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think we do here? Yeah. Fact. I yell fact about nonsense. Show. That's why I'm so excited Charlie's gone. Oh, well, the <laughs> NHL doesn't have as much money as you think. Maybe Morgan Frost isn't that good. Now I'm here to blame people. Yeah. This is what it's gonna I'm get real to unhinged now. Good thing good thing he was here for at least half the show. Uh I really I wanted him for this next part, uh, but it'll be more fun without him, honestly. Um <laughs> So Noah Cates and Ronnie Adderd uh signed their entry level contracts. Jay O'Brien is in a very interesting situation. Uh, <laughs> 2018 first round number 19 overall pick. Uh, he's going to return to Boston University for his senior season. He's going to require surgery in the offseason. He had injuries throughout his junior year. O'Brien, because it is four years since he was drafted, yeah. could choose to leave school, not sign with the Flyers, and become a free agent within 30 days. But he's going back to school, so the Flyers, after he leaves, will have 30 days to sign him once this season ends, next season. His rights have to get traded this summer, right? Like, he's never going to be in this organization. I would think so, and I, I kind of hope that they are, because this feels like an extremely prime example of a guy loaded with potential, and some stupid GM can put all kind of ideas in his head about what he could be, that we can't risk letting him turn into like what Morgan Frost has turned into and then have zero value whatsoever. And I feel like I know he's, he's improved since cause he was the one that like got like went I to like the went, weird league I or whatever. Was and then Providence and he was shit. And then he yeah. went to the BCHL and right. then the last two years at BU uh, last year, he had 16 points in 16 games. Uh, he was hurt a little this year. He's 22, so like he's a grown fucking man in, yeah. in college. Like, and there are other grown men in college. He's not the only 22 year old out there. But like, 10 goals, 12 assists, and 24 games. He's producing, not yeah, like yeah. a superstar, but he's producing. Exactly. And given how rough it's been for him to get there, I feel like he's he's the type of player that you could talk a GM into thinking could turn into something. And you might as well try to do that and see if you can use him to get an asset. Like he's I not going to be a one for one trade, obviously, no. but like you could package him with. He's in you the know, he's in the quantity stuff. he's in the quantity over quality package that we also throw Morgan Frost into. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> like look at all of these things that might be good if you're better at them than we are. Like maybe Never, you could do something with these guys. I have this one cousin who gets his lottery tickets for Christmas every year, 
And I'm like, why didn't you just give me nothing? Because <laughs> you might win a million dollars. He could have given no. you a dollar, but instead he gave you a maybe a million. Oh, this is something I forgot. <laughs> this is something I forgot I thought about until this week where I was telling everyone who would listen that the Chris Rock Will Smith thing was a work because I think everything. No was a work. way. Yeah, it wasn't, fake. though. No it's way. Fake. No way. I watch way too much wrestling to believe that bullshit, Kelly. You can you can sneak that by some <laughs> fucking mark. But I watch way too much wrestling. I know an angle when I see an angle. Oh, and boy. someone said to me, Bill, you think everything's fake. You believe people are paid to claim they won the lottery. And I do believe that. This is why you're my favorite person. <laughs> Kelly, if there, was, if there was some major giveaway of millions of dollars out there, mm-hmm. wouldn't rich people be in on it? But they're not. You know who is in on it? The poor. You know yeah. how I know it's fake? Because if someone was giving away millions of dollars, the rich would take it for themselves already. Because that's what happens. Since that's not happening, clearly the lottery is fake. Oh, it's so hard for me to argue with that. They do be saying that the lottery is a tax on the poor. I think yes! it's because I think it's because like rich people know that the odds of winning the lottery are so low that it's a waste of their time, but like they have all of these other ways that are like guaranteed to steal money. So like they don't have to fuck around with buying a hundred lottery tickets. You know, they they'll just steal all of our money in other ways that are easy for them that they don't even have to try. So they, they don't have come to come up with some way to rig the lottery if they wanted to. <laughs> it's fake. Uh, but, uh, I'm kind of like now that we're here in the season. Like, I want to see... Uh, Jackson Cates is still hurt, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. but no, I, like, Yeah, I'm, he is. He is. Yeah. I'm remember. excited to see Noah. He played one game. He got he to did. play in his home state. That was cool. I, like, I want to see those two play together. I only want to see dumb shit like that now. I mean, that would be cool, but yeah, he's hurt. I, I'm excited yeah. to see the college kids. Because yeah. they're always, for me, like, I, I have, like, a, a weird bias toward the Canadian professional junior leagues like i always feel like the super super good players come out of there so i'm always like immediately not, not like down on college prospects but just like eh, like you know what's noah kate's gonna be who the fuck knows? i just but i feel it's like exciting I, I feel like the superstars come from canadian juniors or international and like also all the busts come from there like that's college play, college play, and like it's starting to turn. Like Kale McCarr stepped off the college ice, stepped into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and was oh. one of the best players on the ice. Yeah. It's I know, I know. So it's oh, like no. it's starting to change a bit. But I always have this bias that the superstars aren't going to come from college, but they're these very, very Chuck Fletcher yes. high high floor players. Like yeah, <laughs> he's going to be aggressively okay. We are going to get so many middle six players in this offseason. I just, like... Not a we single should be, Johnny Gaudreau. We should be the organ... Like, everyone's looking for those depth guys at the deadline. Like, we should be supplying the whole league yes. with that. Yes. If you need depth for a playoff run, the Flyers have got all of the middle six players you could possibly need. We're not going to give you Scott Lawton. But if you want the organization that developed Scott Lawton and five guys who could be him, maybe, could we be. have them. All of them. And but we're going to get more because we don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> I, I, I just, one of these guys has to hit, right? Someone just has to step onto the ice and be so good that we can't ruin them. Maybe it's Bobby Brink. Maybe. I, I'm really excited to see him. And and Maddie, who knows more about young players than I do, says that he's definitely not ready to be an NHL hockey player. Bobby Brink, I guess he's too Fine. small. Whatever. But also, like, is he too small? Because what's his face? Cole Caulfield's small as fuck. And Bobby Brink is just, like, Steve calls him Foreman Mills Cole Caulfield, <laughs> which is very funny <laughs> well, to that's, me. Well, that's what they sold us on, was yeah. that we got a guy basically as good as Caulfield and Cam York. That's yeah. what they sold us on at that draft. So it better be true, which it won't be. But no, there's I, no I, chance. I do think that, like, I mean, Montreal tried to do it before St. Louis got there. Like, Caulfield was doing too much, fucking up in the offensive zone because he tries things and is a creative goal scorer. And 
the previous administration in Montreal was like, mm, no, we don't stop. Stop doing that. You're making too many mistakes. Go back to the AHL where he was, of course, lighting it up. I can see the Flyers doing something like that. Because the thing is, like, I forget who said this to me one time. It might have been Micah. It might have been Tulski. One of them said that, like, a good – it was Micah. A good player is always going to make way more mistakes that you notice than a mediocre or a bad player. Yeah. Because the good player is going to be trying things. Yeah. And every now and changing again, ain't that hard. Right. And, and if you're trying things in the NHL against really good other players, every now and again it's going to bite you in the ass. But you have to let that happen so that they learn how to not get burned by the other good players. The Flyers and a lot of teams, really, I feel like they don't let guys make a mistake. Because there was a there was a point at which I think Yo said something about how like Morgan Frost made too many mistakes and then he got sent down. Like you have to let them, you have to let them fuck up. It's like a baby. Like if your baby, like you can't, you have to let your baby fall down sometimes, right? Like they're gonna fall down, they're gonna like bust their lip open, and like bad things are gonna happen. I've been told. I have no idea, really. Um, and it's fine. Like you can't wrap them in bubble wrap and never let them walk around so that they don't hurt themselves. Like. It just gets back to the whole development thing. I can see the Flyers taking a guy like Brink, him coming up here, trying some stuff, and then being like, oh, we don't like that. He, he, no, too many mistakes. And then he's in the AHL for two years. And it's like, what's the point of any of this? The hope is, and like different organizations at different, like, Owen Tippett is clearly good enough to play in the NHL. Yes. Whether he can ever finish enough, like he, he, he does noticeable stuff every game. He looks but he good. Yeah, he looks good, but, like, he hasn't scored yet, you know? Yeah, but right. The puck just ain't going in for him. And regardless, he's clearly good enough. A team like Florida, who is chasing the President's Trophy in the Stanley Cup, can be like, yeah, we're going to not have someone make mistakes and learn on the job because we're chasing the Stanley Cup. Well, that's the thing. They don't need to because they have yeah. all of those other good players. Like, we have to find a way to turn shit into gold. Like, the Flyers have to figure out how to turn a guy into a really good goal scorer because, as we've outlined a thousand times, there doesn't seem to be any way that they're going to be able to buy one. And the idea of them fleecing another organization in a trade with Chuck Fletcher as the general manager seems unlikely. So they need to figure out how to turn someone into a superstar. And I... I don't know. Like, were you there... I can't remember what post game it was. You might have been in the comments at this point, but uh I like we were talking about the the amount of work. Like this isn't going to just be like one for one straightforward trades. Like there's not going to be a Myers and Patrick for Ellis. Like this off season is going to take some real creativity. Mm-hmm. And I was like Chuck Fletcher is just so like average and middling and I think it was Matt the Canadian caller who mm. said you're being too nice to him. He's a fucking potato. <laughs> and I lost it. Like, I was like mid sip of beer and spit it. And like, I have all my electronics and shit on the desk in front of me and like spit beer everywhere. Like, I don't know if he's a potato, but like the amount of shit they're going to have to do if they're going to pull off what they think they're going to pull off this off season. Like, granted, you know, we we look back on the 0708 that off season with like all right they did a bunch of stuff and and it worked but it wasn't until 2 years later that they got Chris Pronger and they didn't get Matt Carl yeah. until in that season when they were like oh Steve Eminger stinks huh and like <laughs> so like it's going to be a work known. in progress but the fact is they were competitive and got to an Eastern Conference final in that first year but they also had like I don't know, maybe Farabee is like Jeff Carter. Like, maybe they... But they just had so much more. Justin Richards and Carter, like... Yeah. All right, we have our two and three C. You know, (laughs) like, let's just... We need the one C, and that's huge. But we have really good pieces, and that's maybe not the case right now. Like, the amount of work Chuck Fletcher's gonna have to do this offseason... Is it possible? The thing that's most annoying is that I feel like... It is theoretically possible, which means that people like me, who simply cannot allow themselves to get all the way off of the flyers, are going to, like, in the back of my mind, as much as I say out loud that I don't think he's going to be able to do it, and I really don't, 
in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but he could. And it's like, he he could. And yeah. like, you know, Steve Eiserman could probably pull this off. But like, I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is the kind of guy. Like, I feel like Steve Eiserman is in his office like, you know who's real fucking stupid? The Oilers. Let me get them on the phone. And then he like, you know, wheels a deal and, and gets some good stuff. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher has ever thought to himself, that organization is very stupid. I'm going to try to fleece them. Like, he's probably like, oh, Bill Zito's a good man. I'm just going to call him and we're going to work out a nice fair deal for everybody. Like, I don't, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Like, I need you to like, you know, put your big boy pants on. Because the only way it's going to happen, like, I feel like at least one trade that he makes this summer has to be like an out and out win for the Flyers. And I don't know. The Ellis trade theoretically was. And I guess technically is because the two players that we traded are like nothing. So who cares? But but it needs to be it needs to be the Ellis trade, you know, without the player being hurt for the whole season. Like it has to be an all out win. And I don't know if he's got that in him. I don't know. And they did a decent job of collecting assets, especially we talked about. I think all the 2023 assets are because people are going to want those picks next year and Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to include them uh, in packages and stuff. But like. Man, that second round pick they gave up to get rid of Ghost for literally nothing. So stupid. Like, man, you know what would be awesome? If we could do use that pick to get rid of somebody with double the salary, like JVR. Like, yeah. Uh, it's just... I, I use that the analogy... Oh, uh, it's, yeah. it's killer. Yeah. I used the analogy on post-game the other night. Like you said, I don't know, he could do it. Like, when I get drunk, my favorite thing in the world is sliding down railings. I love doing it. Like, leaving the Wells Fargo Center are the best railings to slide down. Uh, and also going down the Broad Street Line right there at the Patterson oh. Station. Great railing to slide down. <laughs> now, sometimes I make it. <laughs> like, it's a bad idea. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily yeah. skilled in any way at doing this, sitting down and hoping not to fall. Uh, but <laughs> every now and then I make it. And I think those are the odds of Chuck Fletcher's offseason. He's got a greased up pole. And then someone said with a patch of ice at the bottom, basically. <laughs> but those are that's his situation this summer. And that's what it's going to take to make this thing fucking work. Yeah, it's the only way. The only way it works is literally everything breaking the Flyers' way and also him getting extremely lucky at least once. And the odds of that are very slim, but it could happen, which means that I'm going to have to spend the entire summer looking at everything that happens and being like, oh, maybe, maybe this is the one. That's, we're going to have, like, I'm very torn on how, I guess I'm just going to have to, like, react naturally if I like a move. I think so. Like, I, like I'm, I, like I'm trying to think of how I'm gonna play it. Like, should I just be ultra skeptical, or should I dive into this empty fucking pool headfirst again? <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That's what we're gonna do, isn't it? We're gonna talk this. ourselves into this off season. Like, yup, they're back. We did it last year. Why can't Kevin, we do it again? <laughs> Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis—they're all healthy. Sean, I mean, uh, what's his face? Charlie's going to be telling us how stupid we are, and we're going to be telling him to shut the fuck up, and it'll be great. I just... Shut up, Charlie. Everything's great. God damn it. We're... (sighs) We have a sickness, William. (laughs) I guess so. It's going to... We're going to be doing a show in, like, mid-August next year, and I'm going to be like, the Flyers are winning the Stanley Cup, and I'm going to believe it with my whole heart, and... And then, you know, in December, we'll be back here again. Prediction show is just going to be like, I don't know, 98 to 102 points sounds normal to me. I feel feel like they could definitely win the Metro. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck Carolina. Yeah. We have Carter Hart. comments the other day, it was, oh, because Wish made some kind of tweet about something. And I was like, you know, ha ha, Devils fan. And then someone was like, he picked the flaw. He picked the Devils to win the Metro. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, yeah, but, uh. Pretty sure I picked the Flyers to win the Metro, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we all make predictions in the summertime. I what thought they'd be do? in it. Like, I thought they'd be top three competing Easily. for the division. Easily. Yeah. You know. But, you Pittsburgh, know. Pittsburgh's going to fall off. Didn't, and now the Capitals are back again? Like, it's all so annoying. It's so The annoying. Caps are in this hilarious spot right now where they're, like, the eighth best team in the East. 
but the ninth best team is so fucking bad right. that like they they could lose out and make the playoffs basically. <laughs> like they have that second wild card spot sewn up no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah, they got nothing to worry about. The East is so weird like the playoff teams have been set for months. It and, feels like, like half the season they've been the, set. Yeah, the playoffs are going to be awesome. And somehow, like, every other team stinks. Like, no good, horrible to watch, worthless. Like, is the, like, the best, the most fun non-playoff team to watch is, like, Detroit, who stinks. Like, I really... Sam would, Gagne. I would really like the the wheel to turn is? back to the time that the West was the tough division. Like, I would like that to happen again, and the East yeah. to be the easier one, because that's better for oh, me. Oh, God. Because the Flyers are never going to be that good. Colorado, without like half their roster, beat Calgary the other night. I cannot wait for that Western Conference final. It's so good. If those teams do not make it, it is a fucking crime. The season should end. Like, like I'm literally already like planning my life such that I can stay up past 10 p.m. for the Western Conference playoffs because they're going to be so good. You could just record them and watch them in the morning. Morning coffee, little West Coast hockey. Uh, that's not a bad idea, actually, because I can just have to avoid the internet, which is that's doable. The, the one host of my, uh, yeah, you have to avoid the internet. Mm-hmm. The one host of my uh, You Better You Bet show. He's got, like, kids and stuff, and he likes to watch games, but he's like, I'm doing this at my own schedule. So he's, like, <laughs> fashioned himself, like, a little thing to block out the bottom bar while he's watching other shit. And then oh. in the morning, he just catches up on everything else. That's very smart, actually. And he also doesn't have, like, the other host of the show is like, no, it's fun for me to, like, be on Twitter and sweat these games and, like, melt down over them. That is and, fun. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, I, like, he doesn't have a social media addiction. So he's like, I, I have no interest in that. So I'll just watch the oh. games at my leisure. What's that like? Yeah. <laughs> but you could do that. <laughs> That's true. I could do that. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's also super depressing. Like that, that, that Colorado game. Like the Flyers are just like they're an AHL team. I'll tell you, like, like they can't. They literally can't skate with the good teams. I'll tell you what really put it into perspective for me was the first forty minutes against Minnesota, because Colorado does that to like everybody. Like they're them and Tam. Like the elite teams are the elite teams. Minnesota's very good, but I will not put them in the category with Tampa, Colorado, Calgary, Carolina, Florida. Like, they're not that. No, they're like one tier down from that. But those, yeah, those first 40 minutes against Minnesota, like, yeah, score effects. They're trying to be healthy for the playoffs. They gave up in the third and still killed us. But like, but like those first 40 minutes, the Flyers never had the puck. No, it was real. They had a scoring chance like four seconds in and never gave up the puck after that. When that when that happened, I was like, "Ooh, all right, all right, yeah. we're gonna have ourselves a game here." No, 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 that was the one. That was no, it. Minnesota came down, had a chance. We went right back and had a chance, and then the whole rest of the first two periods were in the flyer zone. Yeah, and, and, and like it's, that really put it in this. And like, I don't need. I guess like I'm watching this whole season. I know, but when you just like in an individual, right? Wow. This yeah, isn't like, one of the great teams, no. but they're so much better than the Flyers. Yeah, when they play a Detroit or, you know, yeah. I don't know, the Devils or whatever. It. Yeah, exactly. You can talk themsel- You can talk yourself into thinking like, all right, you know. When we're healthy, we're so there. much better than this Yeah, team. they can They can totally. But then you look at Florida and it's like, like the Flyers would literally have to get an entirely new roster in Brand. order to compete. Like literally every player would have to go. Like and then we would have to get all new ones. If it was somehow. a straight up if it was a straight up random lottery fantasy draft, that would be their best chance. <laughs> every player way. in the league. The only way, because like not only are they so much better, but the way that they play is so much better like it's not even just that the players are better it's like the system is better like everything is just better and this is what this is what God. next show needs to be we need to find coaching because i'm not ready to talk about the draft yet 
Like, no, there's still a whole nothing. playoffs that has to happen, and we're going to have to have some off-season content and shit. So I'm not ready to get into the draft, but we need to come up with, like, coaching candidates. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's it's going to be Torchetti, though, right? Or whatever the fuck that guy's Tortorella. name is. <laughs> no. Tortorella. The, the, the assistant coach guy? The assistant. Torchetti? Yeah. No. Oh, fuck, like it better they, not be. I feel like they brought him in to be the head coach. And if, cause, cause the guy they hire can't like Mike Yo deep down could be Herb Brooks, and they can't give it to a guy with these results. Oh no, no! I and I think Mike Yo even knows that. Like, yes, this is I, all I'm trying to do now is make myself look good for another team to possibly hire me. <laughs> yeah, Mike Yo's like playing out the string, but he knows like a yeah. coach that loses every single game can't be the coach next year. No, regardless of like. Doesn't matter what he does. The team's terrible. It yeah, does not matter. Nothing. But I feel do. like they brought him in to at least like get his feet wet, learn the players. Like he's their oh. spy almost, and he could very that. well be the head coach. Because here's do you think the it's going to be Tortorella though. I do. I, the more that I think about it, and the situation that they're going to be in, they need a coach that has a proven track record, I think, of squeezing more out of a team than the team actually has. True. And the only guy that's available that I can think of that has done that for long stretches is Tortorella because Columbus was never that good on paper. And he he got them to win games. So no, like, that team was... Ugh. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that's going to be it. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I... And just like... We've talked so much about how they believe, the organization believes, the disconnect, like, with the fan base. People want the old Flyers back, so they're going to take it as, fuck them picks and physical hockey with a screaming coach. Like, yeah. that's what they want. That's but the also, Flyers. The, the, because people want to see the alumni treated a certain way, I can see them bringing in Tockett. I could see that like, too. It's not going to be a young, exciting coach, right? Oh like, no! Like no they're not going to get like the Finnish guy. Like that's never going to happen. They probably won't even go like the Jim Montgomery route. It's oh. definitely going to be like Fuck, a Tortorella. I would love Jim Montgomery. Me too. That's the that's the one like the low key one that I really. Oh, really why'd want. you bring him up to me? I forgot all about him. Like Phantoms legend Jim Montgomery. Name the Legion know. of Doom. You know what? He's on yeah. the list. He is. He, he, is he should be on the list. He yeah, he's alumni. an alumni. Head coaching experience has something to prove. Like in my mind, it makes a lot of sense. But I don't think that they'll do it. It's gonna be Torts. It's either gonna be Torts or Tockett. I feel like, and, and I don't know if I love either one of those. I but. like. You know what worries me? I is personally that, don't love it, but it's also they're doing something that I don't agree with. Like so, in order yeah. to make this work, maybe Tortorella. It like. This no, yeah, stupid yeah, that's thing, the thing that they're going to try, maybe Tortorella is the guy for. The only thing that worries me is that we've seen, and I know that people like to blame this on Claude Giroux, but that's fucking stupid, so I'm not going to acknowledge it. Um, we've seen this, this particular group quit on a coach who was mean to them. And, like, John Tortorella is probably not going to be nice to you and tell you what a good boy you are. I have a feeling that there's a lot of, like, you know, fuck you, you suck types of things flying out of his mouth in the locker room. I kind of get that vibe from him. I don't think he's like a super nice coach. That said, a lot of players seem to like playing for him, so maybe I'm totally off base. But I do worry that, depending on how much turnover there is, you know, do we still have players that don't like to be yelled at that are just going to like shut down because dad's mean to them? And we're going to have another Elaine Vigneault situation because he didn't last nearly as long as I thought he would. Like, they quit on him way sooner than I thought they would. Yeah, like, he lasted one season, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, and there was a three-month break in that season. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, that went sour way quickly than I, more quickly than I thought it would. But yeah, I don't, I, I do like the idea of us lining up all the coaching options and seeing. I don't know what else is there be. at this point? Like, Nothing. We're going to talk about Noah Cates. Noah Cates and Ronnie Adderd. Yeah. Talk about, I complain see about Wade Allison. Me too. I really hope Adderd plays on Saturday because I'm not doing Sunday's game. So I'm hoping we see him on Saturday. 
Yeah, that'll be good. I'm going to the game Saturday. Oh, was considering cool. wearing my. Yeah, I was gonna. Th- I was thinking about wearing my Mitch Marner jersey and like causing trouble, but you should. That seems rude to the person who's <laughs> taking me to the game in his season ticket seats. So like maybe I shouldn't be an <laughs> asshole. Um, but you know, I'll go and root for the Flyers. I guess. I guess. I guess. It'll be fun though, because Toronto's actually good. So at least I'll get to yeah. see some exciting hockey. Oh man! Like I hope they score eleven. They might. I mean, honestly, like, think about, think about Austin Matthews against this defense. Like, what are they even going to do? He's going to, he's going to win the Rocket Richard and there's going to be an asterisk. It's like, yeah, he played the Flyers in the last 15 games. <laughs> Don't fucking like, I can't wait to see, like, Mitch Marner absolutely turn style Rasmus Ruslan in, like, 17 times in the game because, you know, fast hockey is good. That's it's just, like, it's going to be a shit show. I really, like, don't want to bang on fucking Rasmus versus the lining because like whatever it's not his fault but also like he's here because he makes the flyers quote-unquote harder to play against but he doesn't they're not harder to play against this year than they were that's the thing like people people do like a weird thing where they're like why do you hate him he seems like a nice guy like i don't give a fuck if he's nice i don't care if he's nice i don't care if he's not nice he's supposed to be an asshole i don't give a shit my problem with Rasmus Ristolainen is, first of all, he's got the Andy McDonald thing hanging around his neck, where it's like, it's not his fault they gave him a whole bunch of money. Good on him for getting it. But, like, now I have to think about how much money you make every single time you fuck up in a game because there's a salary cap. So, like, sorry, that factors into it now. And also, like, even if he just did the things that the people who are obsessed with him say that he's supposed to do. Like, I feel like Nick Sealer is more, like, the scary, tough, bruising defenseman than Rasmus Ristolainen is. Like, his, he doesn't really make, like, big, huge hits. And when he does, he doesn't come away with the puck, so what's the point? And, like, he doesn't clear the porch in front of the goaltender. He does, like, who is scared to go? He's never seen a Carter Hart three times the other night. Like, there doesn't seem to be any fear on the part of other players to, like, go into the corners with him because they know they're going to come away with the puck. Like, and no one seems to be scared like, of him at all. He gets in guys' faces in front of the net and scrums and stuff. After the whistle. Nobody ever backs down. No. And, like, also, like, that's the thing. Like, just even if he was a shit defenseman, but he did all that stuff. Like, he was the big scary guy. I could probably get behind him because I do, yeah. at the end of the day, like that kind of hockey player. Yeah. But he's not even doing that. So it's just very frustrating that, like, there's this whole, like, group of Flyers fans that are obsessed with defending him whenever we talk about him. Because we're, like, being assholes and picking on Rasmus Ristolainen or whatever. But, like, he doesn't even do the things that you say that you want him to do. He doesn't do those things. Like, be honest guy's about gonna, it. Guy's going to finish his career with, like, 100 mil in the bank. I'm not that worried about Good picking for him. on Rasmus Ristolainen. No. <laughs> Like, get, get your money, dude. But, like, that means that I have to scrutinize you harder than I do Nick Sealer because Nick Sealer makes $750,000 no, like, a year. And, uh, like, Nick Sealer absolutely stinks. Like, it, it's true. But, like, in a Brandon Manning role, absolutely. Sure. Also, the like, seven- I've, I've seen Nick Sealer whip someone's ass at least twice that I can think of in this season. Has oh, Rasmus Rizalainen kicked anyone's ass since he's been here? When we were talking about when we were talking about Zamula, like uh, last week or two weeks ago, we fought about Zamula. I fought about Zamula with Charlie, and now, go ahead, Nick Sealer. You, you, like <laughs> you're out yeah. there fighting. You're out there. <laughs> good for you. Go for it, dude. You're you're adding to my energy. I have to watch these terrible fucking games. Yeah. You just bloodied someone up the other night. Uh, you get to stay. <laughs> the whole bottom of our lineup is fun as hell. They're adding absolutely yes. nothing hockey-wise, but they're so fun. I have got no quarrel with them whatsoever. I, Zach McEwen with, like, one really good offseason, he could be Dan Carcillo. I, I legitimately, I'm not even He has some around. skill! I want him back on this team next season. I want him yes. on our fourth line. I know that his numbers aren't good. I know that he doesn't really add anything offensively. The numbers are a lie. Don't care. Yeah, you can make stats say anything. Everyone knows that. Charlie's not here to tell me I'm wrong. So, you know, I'm right. He is so fun to watch. And like you said, if the, sh- if the hockey is going to be shit, I want Zach McEwen flying around out there and then standing on the bench, like absolutely going crazy for Nick Steeler beating the shit out of 
Delorier. <laughs> like, that's the kind of stuff that I need if you're going to keep me entertained with a bad hockey team. So, like, give Na- Zach McEwen, you know, $900,000 next year. Let him stay here and entertain us because we have so little. I would like Bill Matz. Oh. Your face flying around on the ice. <laughs> Kelly, I, I shaved the stash the other day, but like every morning I wake up and I'm like, uh, today's the day. I'm cutting off all my hair. I'm tired of it. And then like I see Zach McEwen and I'm like, I just can't. I just it's can't. Like, At some April, point you'll get hot enough and you'll be like, I can't. Right, something tells me on April 29th when Zach McEwen's no longer part of my life for a couple of months. <laughs> You no longer have to keep up this facade of looking like Zach McEwen. <laughs> and like post games aren't on camera anymore. I could just lie. But... That's true. I would back you up. I'd be like, yeah, he totally still has a mustache. What are you talking about? Yeah. You I should see oh, Bill Matt's out. I'm either gonna I'm either gonna put the cornrows back in or yeah. shave off all my hair. One or the other. That was a really good look for you, honestly. It really it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as ridiculous as I thought it was gonna be. Like more no. people more people said, actually, it's not bad than like, And I was like, this is not what I was going for. <laughs> Poor Ava has to deal with looking at your head all the time. Oh, it's just... All right. She's are, we, are we done? Are we I done? think we're done. Yeah. yeah. All right. That it. is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. Uh, the season is ending. We are not sure post games and checking out the competition will go away, but like everything else continues, which is great for me because it's just less work for me, but everyone else keeps doing their shit. Uh, so it's pretty great all around. (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah. So do that. Leave us a five star review. You'll like it. I guarantee listening to Broad Street Hockey's podcast feed is better than watching the Flyers. Money back guarantee on that one. All right. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly, for Charlie. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!